just a very little amount, and um, it helps with the recording. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We bless you. And Lord, as we come before you in Jesus' name and through his blood, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time, for your word. We hallow your name. We praise you. You alone are holy and worthy of all the glory tonight, Lord. We bless you. And Father, we ask you that you would anoint this word. I ask you to come upon me and speak through me everything that needs to be said under a mighty anointing. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, even now, would begin to move upon every one of us, to captivate us, to help us, uh, to be good soil of hearts and minds. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit moving upon us would help us to get locked in and focus. What is God saying? And help us to get tuned in. And not only that, but to have eyes and ears of the Spirit that we're able to see and to hear and understand. Maybe what we couldn't have before. But the Holy Spirit gives us the grace to be able to see and hear. And Lord, I ask you to anoint and speak through me everything that needs to be said. Like living seeds of truth that will be sown out into good fertile soil. Watered by the Holy Spirit and take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, that this will go out into good soil of hearts and minds as prepared even now by the Holy Spirit. Lord, let the winds of your Spirit carry this out among the nations, whether it be through the internet or however. But Lord, let the winds of your Spirit get it out there everywhere it needs to go. And we know that the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So, Lord, we submit this word unto you tonight. And we resist the devil. We bind up anything of the enemy that would try to hinder this word in any way from going where it's supposed to go and accomplishing what it's supposed to do. We take authority in the name of Jesus. We bind you now. We command you to back off. Lord, let your angels get rid of that. And, but, Lord, we ask you that this will go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do because that's the promise of your word tonight we stand on that let there be a washing of the water of the word tonight let there be light shining brightly that will dispel all the darkness and lies and deception of the enemy and bring truth and revelation under a mighty anointing we pray all this in jesus name and we thank you for hearing and answering these prayers right now we believe we expect it in jesus name amen all right, I'm going to ask you guys, if you would, as little moving around as possible, just help me to preach this tonight. This is probably one of the most serious words that I can bring to you just based on my ministry experience. My wife will confirm to you that what I'm going to preach on tonight has been probably the single most used weapon of the enemy to take people out that I have seen in my entire ministry. And that's what we're dealing with tonight. So make sure, give me your best ear. You need to hear this. All right, so I'm going to kind of recap just for a moment on the Jezebel spirit that we talked about up to this point. We've covered a lot of ground. I believe I'm on around part five or six, something like that. Of course, it was interrupted as we had that Pentecost conference. But I want to deal with this tonight. So a Jezebel spirit is an end time spirit. It's something that we see in the book of Revelation begin to kind of reappear as far as being revealed and being significant in the last days. It's a, this spirit has always been around. It's always been a powerful weapon. But I believe it's going to have a lot of prominence in the last days. And if you look at Revelation 17 and 18, the whore of Babylon has to do with Jezebel. But it's paving way. It's working. The Jezebel spirit works in tandem with the false prophet. And it helps to prepare the way for Revelation 18, which has to do with a political figure that the Bible calls the Antichrist or the man of lawlessness. But anyway, this is a very end time scenario here. And so it's going to be significant that you and I understand what a Jezebel spirit is. So let me just recap. Number one, it has to do with illegitimate authority. This is extremely important. I don't have time to talk on it too much. But God 
anoints and places somebody in an authority position and they're there God has placed them there the devil will do everything he can to try to get his crowbar and to pry them out of that seat of authority but there are people that God has put there and they really carry authority but at the same time the devil wants to not only unseat them and remove them somehow but he wants to replace them with somebody that really does not have true kingdom authority and because they don't have kingdom authority they will inevitably begin to operate in some form of manipulation intimidation ungodly control and it, it is meant to kind of force their will on the people and it is what the Bible would explain to us as being a form of witchcraft but it's because they don't have true authority when God has invested his kingdom authority in you and it's legitimate you don't ever have to turn to any form of manipulation or intimidation you're functioning in kingdom authority you have an anointing when you get outside of that that's when you start seeing all this manipulation and this witchcraft and unfortunately this is extremely common in Christianity and let me explain why most people that end up in positions of authority in the kingdom right now and it's been this way for a long time it's not that people prayed and fasted and sought God and they heard from God and there was an anointing come on somebody and they were raised up by God it's it's very seldom do you see that usually it's political and it's a popularity contest or somebody learned how to climb the ladder and worm their way into it are you hearing me they got there because man put them there or they got there because the devil put them there but it was not God that put them there and unfortunately this is this is so prevalent and much of what we know as various forms of denominations and fellowships is that it's not a matter of praying and fasting and hearing from God and God anointing and God appointing that is that's never what I've seen hardly ever usually what you see is just man maneuvering things and manipulating things the way they want it to be so you have illegitimate authority and if the enemy cannot unseat somebody then what he'll do is he'll try to maneuver things to where behind the scenes there's still somebody that actually runs the show through that person and that person becomes just a puppet and that's a Jezebel spirit so those that have been placed there by God you've got to discern that spirit you cannot tolerate it at all and you cannot come up under any type of control you have to recognize that you have to discern it about people that have and carry that spirit and unfortunately I hate to say this because it sounds so negative but it's just true revelation says I gave her space to repent she did not therefore God cast her into severe judgment you see in the Old Testament that the dogs had to lick her blood I have found that seldom do you see true heartfelt repentance followed by change in these type of people usually if it's followed by severe judgment eventually and I think the reason for that has obviously Jesus paid for the victory there's no reason that that should be the case but I think a lot of times people have that control spirit they don't want to lose that that feeling of power and control that they think they have I think that's what it's about so number one is illegitimate authority you have to have people God raised up if you read the book of Acts you see that God really came upon certain people and he raised them up and what distinguished them was God's mighty hand on them there was an anointing and it was referenced there was a laying on of hands by the apostles things like that and, and it was the anointing and I remember Paul and Barnabas they were in Antioch and there was prayer and fasting and the Holy Spirit said set them apart 
the leadership laid hands it was like god raised him up god spoke who was to be used you see what i'm saying you don't see that anymore you haven't seen it for a long time what you see is hey let's all vote on it and get a popularity contest all right and then also as i've already kind of mentioned ungodly control various forms of manipulation it, you know that can be seduction or it could be blackmail whatever it is some form of manipulation or intimidation but the goal is to dominate somebody also a jezebel spirit works through divisions and disrespect toward authority somebody that has a jezebel spirit will always have a way about them of making these little left-hand comments about leaders and they may do it in a way like a prayer request for them out of their great concern but all of it is just disrespect and dishonor toward authority because the jezebel spirit has a major problem with authority especially male authority and it's a spirit of rebellion and witchcraft is what it is also a jezebel spirit will be strongly connected to these various sins the occult like witchcraft also lusts jezebel and ahab there's a driving sense of lust sexual lust but also maybe a lust for power but there's lusts also idolatry jezebel and ahab traffic strong in the realm of idolatry that's in my opinion why the jezebel spirit has been so strong in the catholic church because there's so much idolatry that's in that church also jezebel operates very strongly through bloodshed abortion is jezebel's little baby the jezebel spirit loves abortion and that's why you see such a battle anybody that just has a little bit of discernment i don't even say i'm not saying it even takes a lot at all you can see that whenever abortion gets challenged you see a jezebel spirit manifest and then finally jezebel is very strong in connection with what we would call a python spirit and operates through counterfeit revelation somebody that has a jezebel spirit they will get supernatural information but it's from a spirit that is not a part of christ's kingdom and you have to discern it like paul did <clears throat> when he cast that python spirit out of that woman all right so we've been dealing with that i believe that jezebel is also a great enemy of revival anytime you're going to have revival you have to understand revival has to do with what the bible would call the spirit of elijah and so when the holy spirit comes in revival fire it's going to have a prophetic edge to it there's going to be a fiery message of repentance there, it's going to be powerful it's going to be effective and that jezebel spirit hates that message and hates revival and the jezebel spirit will begin to try to buck up against revival so what i wanted to get into tonight and this is extremely important i want everybody to please hear me tonight this message i'm about to give you is the thing that i've seen destroy many people's lives down through the years it's been something that has been a little frustrating for me because even though i've preached a lot on it it seems like a lot of people heard it and heard it again they heard it a third time but then they still didn't listen and did it anyway and now they're not even in church or serving the lord many of them this is a strong warning from the lord so here we go bad company corrupts good character i don't know how many times i've preached this and how many times i've seen people hear it and they go right out the door and hang out with the wrong people and next news you know they've got all kinds of problems in their life a few of them not very many will end up pastor help me but most of them end up just totally away from god and that's where many of them are today they're not in church they're not serving the lord they're living in sin so let me just give you a warning tonight out of first corinthians 15 33 do not be deceived everybody say deceived, deceived. bad company 
corrupts good character or good morals. If you profess to be a Christian and you're just going to hear this tonight and I love everyone, I'm not shooting this at anybody, I'm just preaching it real plain. But you're going to know tonight that the Bible says this and you're going to decide within yourself, I'm going to be a little rebel. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what pastor says. I'm going to hang out with whoever I want to hang out with. Your days are probably numbered here in the, in the Lord. I'm not talking about in River of Life, in the Lord. Because it'll be a matter of time before you're in sin and we're all praying for you. You hear me? I've seen so many people end up in all kinds of problems so I'm just going to dive into this tonight now dealing with the church 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1 Paul had to deal with this Corinthian church because they had come out of so much sin and he was rebuking them here and he said this it is actually reported that there is immorality among you. This is sexual sin in the church. He says, immorality of such kind as does not even exist among the Gentiles or the heathen, that someone has his father's wife, meaning like a stepmom. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I on my part, though absent in the body, but present in spirit, have already judged the one who committed this sin as though I were present. In the name of the Lord Jesus, when you are assembled together, and I'm with you in spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the Lord's day. So what Paul's saying here is that to, to, you know, excommunicate him out of your fellowship and kind of give him over to the devil for a time and the devil's going to really attack him, probably with severe sickness. But it will bring him to repentance. And in the end, so that he can be saved. He says in verse 6, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that the new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened, for Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, talking about Passover, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Is everybody reading this with me? Let me read it again. I wrote to you in my letter, do not associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous or swindlers or idolaters, for then you would have to leave the world. So Paul knows that your, your neighbors and your co-workers and your acquaintances around you in life that are heathen, he knows that they're heathen and they're going to live in sin. But he said, but actually I wrote to you, you do not associate with any so-called brother or so-called Christian is what he's saying here. If he is an immoral person, he's sexually living in sin or he's covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Look at this. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Listen, brothers and sisters, I don't think it could be any more plain. That's as plain as a man can speak. But here's the thing. Today, what you're seeing a lot of times, and it's been going on for around 15 to 20 years, is it no longer is about the things it needs to be about. People are sitting around trying to figure out using secular business tactics, how can we get more people to come to our little social club and entertainment center? Hello? No longer are people hearing from many places to repent. And so they come in among us 
they're not of us, they're not even born of God, then they just join something that's a social club. And the whole idea is not about their spiritual well-being, and it's not even about them entering into heaven when they die so much as it is about how many people can we get in here and how fancy can we make the building. This right here is as plain as it gets. I wonder in many places how many immoral people are sitting in pews. It's never challenged. And I'm going to tell you something. God will never pour out his spirit in that place. His glory will not be there. It is, it is a place that grieves the Holy Spirit. It's rebellion against the word of God. And it's hard for me to believe that people that get up behind pulpits don't read this and know that the Bible says this. It's in the New Testament. It's right there. And it's as plain as a man can speak. But see, this isn't what's important to people anymore in a lot of places. But I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be severe judgment for people that stand behind, whether it's pulpits or whatever, they have some kind of an influence over people. There's going to be the most severe judgment for them one day if they don't tell people the truth. The Bible says teachers will be judged more severely. What these people need to be hearing is you better repent. But anyway, the Bible says to expel the immoral one out. So if somebody is not going to repent, they're going to live in sin, and they're, they're refusing to repent, then it comes to no other choice, but you end up having to expel them out. There's just no other choice. But here's what I'm warning you guys about. In 1 Corinthians 5.11 I wrote to you, he says, do not associate with so-called Christians if they live in unrepentant sin. Are you hearing me? Let me read that again. I wrote to you, do not associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, covetous, an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler. Don't even eat a meal with them. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? He's talking about judging the church. This right here is in the Bible to protect you. Because these type of people, Paul uses the example leaven. Remember Jesus said, watch out for the leaven of Pharisees and, and Herod. Once you get leaven into dough, how are you going to even get it back out? And Paul's using the example here of leaven and Passover. Remember we talked about that in Hebrew, the Bedekah Hametz, the getting the yeast out, purging the leaven out. Look, once yeast is in, it's going to be very difficult to get that back out. The influence of these people. That's what he's talking about. Their influence into your life, into your family, and into a church, it begins to work its way in like leaven. So let's break it down a little bit. Here's some people I would encourage River of Life to not associate with. Don't eat a meal with. Number one is religious critics of revival. These are Pharisees. These are people that, that sit around and they mock tongues. They mock the things of the Holy Spirit. They mock revival. They don't like it. They can't stand it. That's a form of a reviler, but nonetheless, they're against it. Their influence, there's a spirit. Listen, the Bible makes it really clear about these Pharisees, okay? They were the ones. It wasn't, it wasn't really the sinners, per se. It was the religious Pharisees were the ones that were Jesus' greatest enemy. This hasn't changed. Down through the ages, the religious community, religious crowd, are the greatest um, persecutors of a move of God and on planet earth I mean historically it's a fact these people if you don't watch out they will try to influence you they don't like you know manifestations of the Holy Spirit somebody falls or cries or laughs or whatever they can't stand it they don't like freedom and praise and worship and they're master manipulators of the word of God at taking things out of context and put their spin on it to try to justify their view of the way things should be. 
I would encourage you to mark them and not associate with them. They're trouble. And then I'm going to give you the same list Paul gave you. If somebody professes to be a Christian, but they're sexually immoral, they're having sex outside of marriage, but they go to church. You know, I, I'm, there's a pastor in Dallas that made the news because he told the people in the church, if you're living together, you need to get married. I applaud him. But he shouldn't even have to say that. They're having sex outside of marriage or adultery or any other type of sexual deviant behavior that seems to be acceptable in our culture now. But don't associate with these sexually immoral. Also, covetous people. Covetous people are all about money and they're also about how, you know how some people will always look at what others have and they're not content with what they have. They always want more. That's covetous. The Bible says don't even associate with those people. An idolater would be somebody worshiping other gods or they're involved in various forms of the occult. I mean, knows it is an oxymoron. You cannot be a witch and be a Christian. But I'm going to tell you, there's a group out there and there's, there's multiple groups now that are trying to blend some things. Not only that, but Christianity with Islam or Christianity with various sexual deviant behaviors or whatever. God hasn't changed. God will never accept it. You're either going to stand with God and be hated by the world or you're going to blend in and be a, a sellout and a hypocrite. All right, and then the next one is a reviler. A reviler is somebody that is verbally abusive. And under verbal abuse is gossip and slander. And I'll tell you, God hates gossip. It's all through the word of God. Even in the Old Testament, you shall not go out among your people and be a talebearer. And what somebody that's a gossip is, they go around telling other people's business to people who it's none of their business. That's a gossip. Did you hear about so-and-so? I mark gossips and I don't associate with them. Also a slanderer. A slanderer is somebody that wants to defame somebody. They go behind people's backs and they're there for character assassination. They want to smear them. That's a slanderer. These people are verbally abusive. Their mouth, as James said is lit by the fires of hell and they are reviler also a drunkard and finally a swindler a swindler is somebody that cheats people out of money they have crooked business dealings they can't be trusted and I would add in this category anybody that's going to pull you down spiritually don't associate with them they're trouble I made up my mind a long time ago my circle of friends will be smaller but I'm not going to associate with anybody that's going to drag me down spiritually the people that you associate with should be people that will build you up spiritually not tear you down Romans 16 17 says I urge you brethren Keep your eye on those that cause divisions. Another translation says, Mark those that cause division. And to stay away from them. Proverbs 6, 6 through 19 or so in that area, 16 through 19. This says there's seven things that God hates. And verse 19 gives the last couple ones here. And it says a false witness who utters lies. But then it says... The one who sows division among brothers. This is a divisive person. You guys know, you've been around long enough to know, even outside of church in your family or, or at work, you've seen somebody that they're like a little tornado. You ever seen, was it Bugs Bunny and the Tasmanian Devil? Everywhere they go, man, it's going to stir up strife and division. It just seems to follow them. The Bible says to mark those type of people and don't associate with them. They're trouble. The next one is in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They hold to a form of godliness, but they denied its power. Avoid such as these. I've said this many times, but look at the description here. It goes on, it says, For among them are those who enter households and captivate weak women weighed down by sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Look, the description here are people that get around others and drag them down spiritually. There's a counterfeit form of Christianity that's been around now for a while. And this counterfeit form, it's a hybrid. And hear what I'm saying. It does not require somebody to be born again. And it's pervasive out there. Now it's got much more pervasive because there's a lot of places that won't preach the hardcore gospel any longer. They just want to tell people what makes them feel good. You know it's true. But here's the thing. There's this hybrid form of Christianity out there that people are not born again anymore. They're not born of God. It's just something that they're just religious. And just because you go to church, somebody could come in here every week, every time we have service, and sit through the service every single week and still go to hell when they die because it doesn't have to do with you joining something you attending something your religious works it has to do with being born again and this hybrid form of Christianity not only does it not require a new birth but it requires no repentance of sin so people are living in all kinds of, of strange sins now. And nobody's preaching in a way where there's a mighty conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you can see it because now in many places people will profess Christianity. But the way that they talk and the things that's coming out of their mouth is no different than the heathen. The way that they live, you can't see a marked difference in the way they dress, the way they act. You know, they go out clubbing and partying like everybody else. They're living in sin, but yet they profess Christianity. Nobody's challenging that. Nobody's preaching in a way, or I shouldn't say nobody, there's, a, there's still a remnant out there, but I'm talking about the, the pervasive thing right now. It's not there anymore. On the, on the pervasive, uh, very many times you see, whether it's on television, radio, whatever, you don't see messages calling people to repent. Sticking the finger out in the crowd and saying, you're guilty of this, that, and the other. You need to get down to the altar and get right with God tonight. You're not seeing that. Where's that message of holiness and repentance? It grieves me, grieves my wife. We've been around places where I know people go to such and such church, but you know they're sitting there guzzling a beer, cussing, the, the entertainment in their life and the tats and piercings and all that, the way that they live. There's nothing about them that would make you think that they're a Christian. And that's pervasive now. And I'm going to tell you something else. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And that has to do with marriage, but I believe that the message there is beyond just marriage, and I'll explain that in a moment. But when somebody has entered into a covenant like that, people have to understand what a yoke is. You know, whenever farmers would go out and they would have an ox and they had to plow a field, they would put this yoke around the, necks of the neck of the ox and then it would, it would, there would be you know, ropes or whatever, and, and it would pull the plow. 
And there are times that they would have two oxen together and they're both about the same size and they would have a yoke and they were yoked together. And the farmer would stand behind them, his weight on the plow and those oxen would pull. But how many knows it's not going to work if you have an ox on one side of that yoke and you have something like a donkey on the other side of the yoke. <clears throat> all you're going to do is go in circles and be frustrated you cannot be unequally yoked and specifically there it's referring to somebody that's born of God they're a true Christian and they're going to enter into a marriage covenant live with somebody raise kids together with an individual that has a totally different nature than they have they're not born of God there you have the ox and the donkey. You have two completely different natures. And it'll never work. It will be frustrating for the Christian. But I believe it goes further than just marriage because you can have close relationships where you're kind of yoked together with people. There's people that own businesses and have entered into business relationships where they've kind of yoked themselves. You better be careful with who you really come together, kind of a yoking type relationship, that they're not crooked because they'll pull you down with them. And the same thing with the ministry. You know, I was reading John Paul Jackson's book on unmasking the Jezebel spirit. I've read it a couple times. It's an excellent book. I highly recommend it. Most of you probably read it. But the very first thing he talks about in chapter 1 is unholy alliances. He talks about people that have relationships with a Jezebel spirit in somebody else's life. It's an unhealthy relationship. It's like a yoke that's pulling them down. Be careful in the ministry who you are connected with. Before some people really got where they need to be with the Lord, maybe their relationships back when they were a baby Christian or maybe their relationships they didn't know any better. But there was unholy alliances. There's yokes there that now that they've grown up in the Lord, they're still kind of being attached to some things. You better sever every yoke because spiritually speaking, it can pull on you. But there's people out there that they hold to a form of godliness, but they've denied its power. What's the power of God? Number one, it's the gospel. So like I said, that hybrid form of Christianity, they, they require no new birth. They don't require people repenting of their sin. And they do not hold to the Bible as the infallible word of God. That's why they go around calling themselves a Christian, but they live lifestyles and they approve of things that the Bible clearly says is an abomination to God. Clearly says it. Because they don't hold to the word of God as the infallible word of God. Be careful. Not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is really born again. Not everybody that calls themselves a brother is somebody that's right and somebody you need to hang out with. Ask yourself, are they edifying you in Christ? By being around them, are you built up and strengthened in Christ? Are you encouraged? Do they help you grow in the Lord? Or are they constantly like a ball and chain? They're always pulling on you, hindering you. People that are younger, that are single, be careful with this stuff in America, the, the way that the dating scene. Read the Bible, and you'll see that I'm right. It's not in there. You better pray and hear from God about who you're going to marry. Because outside of accepting Christ as your Savior, that's probably one of the biggest decisions you're ever going to make in life. 
if you get sucked in by this dating scene you get all emotionally wrapped up with somebody it was never God to begin with but now you're all emotionally wrapped up and carried away in it next thing you know you're married and it may be six months to a year that you wish you would have never done that you better pray and hear from God don't get all wrapped up emotionally in things hear from God I labeled this one I don't know if it's on the notes difficult obedience because for whatever reason there's a lot of people that this is probably one of the more difficult things for them is it, you know through the years that it just from what I get from people also many times not always but many times some of your greatest hindrances can be and I say this the right way and hear me all the way out but your relatives this actually happened to Jesus he starts his ministry and his mother and brothers try to come and stop him you ever read that in the book of Mark and Jesus had to break that control day one and he looks to the crowd and says who are my mothers and my brothers those that follow me he broke that control right there he did it in a loving way but he was saying mom brothers you're not controlling me I'm following the father I'm gonna do what he says I'm gonna speak what he speaks I'm not being controlled by you sometimes well-meaning family members can be some of the greatest hindrances to people's calling they have a legitimate calling maybe to the mission field and you'll have a mom over there bawling her eyes out begging them not to go you hear me some people they love the Lord with all their heart they go to a powerful church but when they go home their relatives don't know the Lord and they're heathen well, my wife had to make a difficult decision when she accepted Christ as her Savior and she was living there and all of her relatives none of them knew the Lord and she had to make a difficult decision that she was going to move from the Pacific Northwest and geographically relocate here to Texas to have a healthy disconnect from what she was around and it was the best decision of her life because if she had stayed around that ungodly influence she probably would have fell right back into it eventually and she's had and she has people that are relatives that she loves them dearly <clears throat> a couple of them have accepted the Lord one of them comes to mind right now as somebody that's accepted the Lord but is still living there among those people and this individual has had so many problems sometimes you need hear me you need to love your family you need to pray for your family you need to treat them with respect you need to be Christ-like toward them but you also need a healthy disconnect you need a healthy distance so that they don't drag you down spiritually Jesus talked about deny yourself take up your cross follow me those that's put their hands to the plow and look back are not worthy of the kingdom we kind of have to make up our mind that come hell or high water come satanic attack whatever I'm going after God and even if there's people that aren't going to go with me I'm going after God you know what I'm saying this is one of Satan's greatest tactics especially against baby Christians that don't really have a clue yet is to get them all wrapped up in, in unhealthy ungodly relationships it's an attack from the devil to pull them down and if they don't listen to the Word of God and heed the warning of God's Word probably their days are numbered it's a matter of time before they're going to be shipwrecked spiritually and they're going to be in the spiritual ICU 
And they're going to need some pretty serious help to get back on track. I'm preaching the way I'm preaching tonight, just kind of just real putting it out there bluntly because my wife and I, I have seen several people, not one, not two, dozens actually. I've seen people that we tried to tell them they would not listen. They hung out with the wrong people and now some of them are in all kinds of stuff. Sexual sin, the occult, may not even believe in God anymore. They're just heathen now. Others are just so backslid. They probably still believe in God, but they're, you understand what I'm saying? I've seen this played out multiple times, various scenarios. And I tell them, you better quit hanging out with those people. This, in my opinion, is the greatest hindrance, especially to younger Christians, young people, is this issue. Because you have to love Jesus more than you love anything else. And that includes being popular. That includes having a whole bunch of friends. You have to love the Lord more than that. There's a price to being a true Christian. There's a sacrifice. And the last couple things I'd mention... Is testifying. Leviticus 5.1 Now if a person sins after he hears a public adjuration to testify when he is a witness whether he has seen or otherwise known if he does not tell it he will bear his guilt. Let me just warn you as I foresee in the days to come I'm just telling River of Life hear me I foresee in the days to come that there is going to be a major major breakthrough it's going to shift something so significantly that we're not going to be where we are there's going to be a lot of more activity things are going to be a lot busier there's going to be a lot of people we do not know that are starting to come in there's going to be a major breakthrough there's going to be a revival and a harvest start coming in when this happens just know that the Bible makes it abundantly clear that the devil tries to sow tares among the wheat you cannot tell the difference between wheat and tear until the harvest because the grain comes out of the wheat the top of it the grain appears and it makes the wheat bow over and it's heavy tares don't have that so in other words you don't know until the fruit starts coming up people that know how to act like a Christian say they're a Christian but they're just tares among the wheat and I'm forewarning you now to be careful because I believe that the devil is probably going to try new tactics because the old tactics don't work anymore. When things come up, this is what it says here. If you know about it, you're a witness to it, and you do not tell it, you'll bear the guilt if you know as a church member that there's somebody that's divisive and they're trying to, to turn people against the pastor or turn people against the youth pastor or turn people against the worship leader they're trying to pit people against each other they're trying to gossip over here about these people over here and you know about it you better come to the leadership and say, look, so-and-so over there is causing problems. They're trying to divide God's people. They're sowing gossip. Y'all hear me tonight? If you know it and you let it go on, you'll bear the guilt of it too. 
expose it. You be the one to expose it. Don't worry about leadership. We'll deal with it. But if we don't know about it, we can't deal with it. If it comes up, expose it. And I want to close with this in regards to church discipline. And before I get into that, let me say... <clears throat> Another thing that really concerns me is if you read 1 Corinthians 5, we open with that. Remember he said a little leaven works through the whole batch of dough. You understand that if leadership lets things go on in a church, they know about it, and they let things go on. Did you know that that gives the devil a legal right to begin to traffic foul spirits into that church? Did you know that? And do you know if there's people in that church that are having abortions and the leadership knows about it and they sanction it, they're not going to talk about it, just let it go on. That's their personal convictions or whatever. Did you know that the demonic spirits associated with murder and death and those type of things can begin to traffic through that church? Have you ever thought about that? Did you know that if leadership knows that there's adultery and there's people that are living together in sexual sin. They know about it. And they're not going to deal with it. They're going to let it go on. Did you know that there can be sexually unclean spirits start working through that church? And they have every legal right to do so. They're permitted to do so. There's a reason these scriptures in the Bible. God wants a church to be a place that's holy. That's off limits to demonic forces where people can come with their little kids and it's a safe place. Not some place where there could be sexual predators. Not some place where there could be demonic forces walking up and down the aisles. You know, the Bible says that some would be in danger of having their lampstand removed. That has to do with your status as actually being a church in the eyes of God. But you know what? That's not only that, <clears throat> but it also has to do with the light of God's truth and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's some in these latter days that are going to become apostates. They're going to begin to turn away from fundamental, basic truths of Christianity. They're going to get, begin to believe that, well, maybe Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven. They're going to begin to believe that maybe these socially accepted sins in America are fine with God. That, and they'll spin it. It's so weird. Is I've heard people attack true Christians and say, what type of Christian are you? You're so unloving because they don't agree with sin. Hello? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Great deception. You're going to see great deception in these last days. You talk about great deception when it gets to the point that even men turning into women, women turning into men, same-sex marriages, Great deception. Confusion. I know it's the last days and that these things must happen. I understand that. And things are going to continue to go down this path in the world, including more and more Satanism and the occult. It's going to become more pervasive. Don't be surprised if in the days to come pedophilia does not become legal. It wouldn't surprise me. You have to understand something. When you read the book of Revelation and you see that it gets to the point where the wrath of God comes on the earth, you know what I'm saying? It's because of these sins. People won't repent. The church gets up there and says it's sin. Quit doing that. Quit perverting children. What's wrong with you? Well, you unloving 
you know, an intolerant person. What's wrong with, you know, they turn it around back on the church. They won't repent. And so the wrath of God has to come. All right, so church discipline. Matthew 18, verse 15. says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have one over your brother. But if he does not listen, you take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen even to them, then bring it before the church, the corporate body. But if he refuses to even listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. In other words, somebody that's not a Christian, just Truly I say to you, whatever... Now, let me just stop there for a moment. I just recently had a conversation. Somebody called me and was concerned because there was, this has nothing to do with River of Life. This is actually in another part of our nation, and somebody was just getting advice. But a lot of he said, she said, a lot of strife. And I said, look, the Bible says, go to the person and talk it out. Usually, where there's a lot of confusion a lot of division, the devil's behind it. You need to go talk it out because how many knows that the enemy's a master manipulator at bringing a lot of confusion. So try to go to somebody if you can. Go to them and talk to them and try to hear their heart. You share your heart with them. And usually, two Christian brothers and sisters, if you'll really sit and talk about it, hear each other out, you'll see where each other are coming from and you can kind of talk it out and work it out between you most of the time. But there's these rare occasions where somebody is defiant and they're not going to listen. Then you need to take a couple people with you and try to reason with them. Now here's the thing. That's on an individual basis, but there's times within a church where somebody is, is a malicious gossip or something that, and you, the pastor goes to him and tries to talk to him. I've got different stories I could tell. Um, but anyway, the person won't listen. You try to reason with them. You try to explain to them something's wrong. They don't want to hear it. In their mind, you're wrong and they're right. So you take a couple people. You try to reason with them. You try to talk to them. You've got other people that are trying to talk to them. They still won't listen. Eventually, biblically, you have to bring it before the church and deal with it corporately. No pastor wants to do that. But I'm going to tell you something. I've had to do it, and God honored it. How many knows when you do things biblically, God will bless it, he'll honor it, and the Holy Spirit will anoint it? When you stay biblical, God's got your back. And God seemed to always work it out. But this is what Jesus said here, and I want you to remember this. This is probably one of the more important things I want you to remember tonight. Jesus is showing here division among us as, as Christians. He's saying where there's this division going on, people have problems with each other. Look at what he connects here. He says in verse 18, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Did y'all see that? You know what Jesus is saying? Nine times out of ten, where people are in strife and they're fighting, the devil's behind it. You need to take authority and begin to bind up those divisive spirits that are stirring up the problems. Amen? Remember that. Most of the time where there's division, the enemy's behind it. Then verse 19, he says, I say to you that if two agree on earth about anything that they ask, it'll be done for them. So he's saying when you start seeing division, you need to bind the enemy and you need to get somebody to agree with you in prayer and really pray about the situation. That usually will take care of it. And then he says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in their midst. In other words, when you come together, and he's assuming here that true biblical churches come together, there's this corporate presence and power of God in our midst. And how many knows when you get in the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit ministering, 
it helps to take care of a lot of the problems. So when there's division, try to go talk to the person, work it out. But take authority over the spirit of division that's trying to cause it. Agree together in prayer with others for peace and unity among God's people. And at church, the Holy Spirit can minister and smooth a lot of things over. The Holy Spirit can water down and keep down these fires of trouble. And I know you guys know this. I'm, I'm closing now, but I know you know this, but not everybody that comes to church is a Christian. My wife and I personally knew a lady that she got, she got saved because of my wife's testimony of coming out of witchcraft, the occult, and all that. And this lady was a Satanist for many years. Her family was deeply involved in Satanism. Generationally. And she was a part of a coven. And she was telling my wife and I, I mean, it was, it was rough. Because the people she knew, when she accepted Christ, the people she knew were giving her death threats. And they weren't, they weren't kidding around. Um, these were people that had money. They had influence in the city. One of them was a police officer that was in this coven. Another was a doctor. Just give you an idea. This lady that got saved, if you would, would, were to have met her, she dressed very nice. She carried herself professionally. You would have never thought in a million years. But she faithfully attended a local church in that city as a witch to cause problems in that church, and that's why she was there. She was there every time the doors were open. Faithful member. Heard my wife's testimony. Accepted Jesus. Repented of that. We had to take her to a church, or my wife did. Took her to a church. This is before we, right before we were married. Pentecostal church where they knew the Holy Ghost moved. As this lady knew she needed the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How many knows that you, you know that you need the power of God and not some dead, dry, religious place in a situation like that. Amen? So anyway, she went to this church where she needed help, and the, the preacher went up and began to pray for her. She started manifesting these demons. He cast them out of her. Several came out. Somewhere between 12 to 17 demons came out of her. But she had superhuman strength. I mean, she was lifting grown men with one arm off the ground. Screaming profanities. The thing that ticked me off, though, was that the church there like a bunch of wimps and sissies instead of having the pastors back went and hid in the foyer and then afterward some of them told the pastor we don't want this going on in this church that still makes me mad I need to probably not dwell on that very long <laughs> it does where is she going to go to get help next time we'll go to your house <laughs> I don't, it just it makes me mad because they need the church they need the power of God that's where they need to be coming and these religious little Pharisees that are scared of the devil man come on anyway I won't get myself in trouble let's just move on now but be careful who you associate with if you hang around the wrong people I'm telling you because I love you you start trying to get romantically involved with somebody that's not on fire and living the life, you will live to regret it, I promise you. You start hanging around these people. I remember when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I was a heathen. Now I remember being at these parties and things, and I knew I had to get out of there. The very last time I was at some you know, drug party or whatever, people around me were doing stuff, but now I'm saved, and I knew that it was, I couldn't be around this anymore. And I knew that I had to disconnect and get away from these people. And I relocated from where I was to Dallas and been serving the Lord ever since. But if I had hung out with those type of people and continued to hang out with them, I probably would, would not be right here tonight preaching to you. All right, so Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the warnings in your word. We need to be hanging around people that are on fire, that live the life, and that love the Lord. 
They will be a strength to us in our character. We know your word says bad company corrupts good character or good morals. And Lord, we ask you for the grace to have wisdom to discern and know people that are not good for us. And Lord, I pray for great protection in the days to come. Lord, we pray that you would bring the right people in among us in River of Life. As the Bible says, the Lord added to their number. We want the Lord to add to our number. Not because we're trying business tactics of advertising and promoting ourselves and doing whatever we can to try to get as many people. We want the Lord to add to our number. And Lord, we ask you to keep out the wrong people, people that would be destructive, people that would be rebellious, people that would, that would cause hurt and pain. Lord, keep those type of people out. We ask you, Lord. But we thank you for tonight. I ask you to seal this word in every life and let us remember it and live it out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.